What a joy is it to be in the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible says when we praise God, He doesn't send His angels to collect the praises of His people, but He inhabits in the praises of His people. And where the presence of God is, there is love, joy, peace, and hope. It's, uh, it's really a privilege and a joy to be a member of this church. I, I just became a member about four or five years ago. And to see the mission's heart of this church, it is amazing. I've never been to any church that all the pastors are involved in missions. They have adopted a country and they lead missions teams. And this church is not just a church in Pataling Jaya, but through GT, I would say hundreds of churches planted in many different countries that Glad Tiding is involved. And it is all made possible through you who pray, give, and go for missions. At no time in the history of Christianity is the church seeing such tremendous growth. All over the world, thousands, tens of thousands are coming to know the Lord daily. And with such tremendous growth comes the inevitable task to nurture and train these young Christians in the ways of the Lord. In past revivals, we see that many who come to know the Lord go back to their old ways. Why? Because of the lack of mature men and women to nurture and train these young Christians in the ways of the Lord. There are many out there who have a desire to serve God, but they do not have the education, the money, the time to go to Bible school. And ICM comes along, works with the local church and with organizations, and bring the Bible school to their village, where they are, in their own setting, because sometimes you bring them to the city, they don't want to go back to that village. And in their own language, equips them and sends them out through the local church as evangelists to plant churches. And praise God, the board of ICM, none of us are pastors or Bible school trained, but ordinary people who avail themselves, and God used these ordinary people to do extraordinary work. Uh, I would just like to show you a PowerPoint on the ministry of ICM. We started this work in Uganda about a year ago. And uh, through Sister Pushani from Malaysia, she was a graduate of BCM. And we started this work about a year ago. And today we have 800 over who have come to know the Lord. And we have more than 100 who are going through this ICM training program. And this work is in Arwa. It's a border of South Sudan and Uganda. And we are ministering at Camp Rhino, United Nations camp that has got more than 100,000 refugees. These are the children, the youth, that we teach them the foundational truths of Christianity. And that is uh, Sister Pushani at this corner. This is a children's camp where they come for a week and they carry their own mattress and um, containers to fetch water. This is a youth camp with about 500 youth. These are the graduates from different churches, church leaders, and they will go back to their church and they will get involved in ministry. This is a prison that is open to ICM. Our goal was uh, to be at the United Nations camp, but now the prisons are open and we have got 35 out of the 46 graduated. Five of them are leading devotion in the prison. Two of them are using the same foundational truths of Christianity to nurture others in the prison. This is a women's prison. This is another prison in Gili Gili. And this is the children's prison, children's remand and prison home. 
These are the two prisoners um, who are teaching the, in the prison. The work in Nepal, we started here with the immigrants. And after they graduated, they went back to Nepal and they brought ICM to Nepal. This is our full-time worker, Pastor Tikka. The work of ICM is not in the cities. They are in the outskirts where many churches do not have any program to nurture and train their own people. These are some of the works that we do in Nepal in, in different towns and villages. Sometimes you cannot even reach your destination, so you just have to camp uh, by the side. Here, a pastor's wife said, we don't get this type of teaching from everyone. ICM lessons are very easy to understand. Say, the word of God we receive is a blessing to all of us. You see this white truck? Seventeen of us were in the truck, four on top of the roof. You know, when I was going to Nepal, when you go to Nepal, you see mountains. And on top of the mountains, you find villages. And in my heart, I was thinking, why are these people so crazy? How are you going to get supplies up the mountain? But I didn't realize that I was going to go up to that mountain. And right on top of the mountain, they have only morning services, Saturday morning. And there were about 200 people in that service. You know, and, and the Holy Spirit, just the word just came out from Colossians when Paul addressed the Colo church at Colossae. He says, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. And friends, today, all over the world, the gospel is still bearing fruit and the gospel is still growing. Yeah. These are some of the terrains that we go. This is Pastor Harun, another worker of ours. He said, I'm a leader, but I didn't know much about the Bible. But after ICM training, I have found hidden treasure. Many of them are just basic. They don't know much about even the person of the Holy Spirit, the power that is above all powers who is in them. And this is in Tibet. We have got our work at the Tibet border and Bhutan border. We can't get in, but we have our training in Tibet, right on top of the mountain. And this is... Tibet border, and this is in Bhutan. And this is about two years or so ago, we had the earthquake in Nepal. And ICM was there to give aid and also rebuild a church and a pastor's house. Till today, many of these villages are still like that. Oops, sorry. Yeah, this is the rice that we gave to them. And next month, in November, we are going to going back to Nepal again to see that whether the work is completed. The next one is Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. We started this work about eight years ago, ministering mostly to the pygmies in the jungle. This is some of the students. And these are the ministry that they do with the pygmies in the village. We have got Weekday classes, weekend, they go into the village. And whichever village they go to, they start a work. By the time that one year they graduate, they have got two, three villages that they pastor. This is where they stay. The pygmies live in here. And that is Pastor Bethuel, our full-time worker. These are some of the ministries that they do. And um, it is not easy in Congo. Just about two years ago, our pastor and his wife, you know, when they write to us, the rebels came and we ran into the bushes. I couldn't understand what they were trying to say. Until one day, the pictures came of our pastors. I mean, they were hacked to death. Fourteen of them and two of them were our pastors. And now we are looking after their children, two, four, six, and eight, four children through their grandmother. And even with that, the church is growing. What you see, the many who are coming to know the Lord in remote areas is through ordinary people who avail themselves. 
they could never dream of serving God because they don't have the education and the money to go to Bible school. But because the Bible school has now come to them, they are able to go through and serve God. Here, we are burning their idols. And this is a medical camp that we do twice a year. People die of just basic illness, malaria and typhoid and others. This is a school that we started uh, in, in Congo. And through the school, many families are coming to know the Lord. Here we are, out of 129, graduated. Even adults have now started coming to school. These are some of the programs, rearing bees uh, to meet their various needs. The next one is Australia. We started the work in Australia because the largest denomination in East Malaysia, BEM, was started by Australian soldiers. And so we went to Australia and trying to try to bring the churches back to Sabah and Sarawak. And we have teams, churches, that come for missions, and we take them to Sabah and Sarawak. And praise God, they have been a blessing. This is Philippines. We started Philippines also about 10 years ago. We have got 21 churches in the Philippines and five more by year end that we are going in November uh, to launch. And uh, we have 13 up north and uh, eight in Mindanao. And when I was in Baguio, I had a knock on my hotel door. Actually, I was staying in APTS. And there was a knock on the door, and I saw three men in uniform, and one was a general and a chaplain of the Philippines National Police. And they showed me my module, and they said they want to meet me. So I met them and shared about the ministry and co-opted him into a board in the Philippines, and he opened the door to the Philippines National Police. Of the 3,000 over police, senior police officers that have gone through the moral recovery program of ICM, more than 2,000 have lifted up their hands to accept Jesus as their savior. You know, Philippines is a Catholic country. They have a form of religion called Christianity, but they do not have a living and a loving relationship. And as we begin to share about a loving relationship that you can have with a living God, many of them lifted up their hands to accept the Lord. This is a signing ceremony. This is one of the graduations that we had at, uh, in the Philippines. This is another signing ceremony with the IGP. Actually, it's a four or five-star general. He's the number one police officer with his chief of staff and the ICM team, also our team from Australia. Uh, this is uh, a signing ceremony again. This guy, General Obaldo, he was a major when we first met him. He was sent to Mindanao. And, you know, in Mindanao, you cannot bring your family. It's hostile territory. So when his family was not there, it was a life of woman and wine. And all his peers have got their promotion. He was just left there as a major. And his wife wanted to divorce him. Just then we came in and he shared his story and we prayed for him, gave him scriptures to read, to read the Bible. He said it was so difficult to read the Bible. He was sharing his testimony. He said he was determined not to lose his family and he persevered. And within a year, he had five promotions. And he says to pray for him that he's going to retire next year and he will be a general. And he wants to join ICM full-time to go and share his testimony. And they also put us live on Philippines television. Uh, the prisons are uh, here. You find the policemen lifting up their hands to accept Jesus as their savior. Uh, I think Conrado Lumahan hits ICM in the Philippines. This is the prison doors are open. These are the church planters we are commissioning in Mindanao. These are the ministries that they do. These are the reports from the ground. When, when the typhoon hit Philippines, Tacloban, you know, we had a call and so we went there to give aid. But when we went there, we just did not give aid. The first day, we went around town and we just looked for the most neediest you know, who live by the roadside with just plastic sheets over 
and we talked to them, we prayed for them, and we gave them a coupon, tell, telling them tomorrow come to church and collect you know, your, your goods. And the next day they came, and before they could collect, attend service first. And they came, and they worship, and many came out to the altar calls. We prayed for them, and then they just queue up and collect their goods. You know, I've been in Aceh for about a year, and I've seen millions Hundreds of millions of dollars, Christian, donated by Christians, going to the people, but not one word of Jesus mentioned. You know, and I says, no, I'm, one hand we come with aid, and the other hand the gospel. If you're not able to proclaim the word, then I think we're not going to be here. We are not an aid organization, we are a missions organization. And people got to know that whatever we give, is because of the love of the people of God. And we put roof on 15 churches, and one of the pastors started crying. He was an independent church. He says, most denominations come, they only help their own denomination. And when we just put roof on their churches, and the pastor began to cry, and he says, now he knows that there are Christians out there, you know, who, who are brothers and sisters. This is his testimony, actually. This is in Timo Leslie. In fact, we took four orang Asli's from here and we sent them to East Timor. And they were there for about two years ministering to the, to, in Timo Leslie. And that is um, from the Baptist Church and from the Presbyterian Church, St. Andrews. We network with quite a number of denominations, in, including the Catholics followers for missions. This is in Indonesia. That's Pastor Papahan. We have started more than 100 churches in Indonesia. You know, when we first went to Indonesia, it says there are so many youth, they're just doing nothing. And so we began to have our ICM training in Indonesia. The first year, when I went there, lunchtime, I saw them eating plain rice with salt. So I said, Pastor Papahan, where's the food? He said, no money. You know, and we have to come and raise money. And when they have macro, you know, use credit card and bought everything. And praise God, there are so many Christians who supported these students. And now we are supporting them in their ministry. These are prisons that are open to us. This guy was a prisoner today, serving the Lord full time. Uh, this guy, father and son in prison because of drugs. And the wife wanted to divorce him and saw transformation in the husband and the wife shared testimony and she also joined ICM. This guy is a contract killer and he's in prison because he killed people. And in prison he found the Lord, came to the ICM training and he's on fire in prison. Even while out there standing and worshipping, he was in tears. And now he's in prison praying for people. This uh, water baptism in prison. This guy is a bomo. To cut a long story short, uh, he was very high up. And um, one day, just to cut it short, he met the Lord and uh, difficult circumstances. He came for the ICM training, graduated. Today, he's an evangelist who appears live on television. You can see his graduation and... This is a gospel truck that we have, and we take our students to the villages, and we have open-air rallies. You get 100 over people to sometimes a few thousand people, and whoever comes to the Lord, we send them to the local church. This is a team from Australia as well. And uh, yeah, these are all the miracles that take place through ordinary people, and that is... Um, from the Tamil Methodist Church that followed us. This is a children's camp with 600 over children that we did. Here, children praying for the parents. If we can pray with a sincere heart and with tears in our heart, crying out for loved ones, I'm sure the Lord will open doors because He has, he has promised us you know, that you and your loved ones shall be, be saved, but we need to stand in the gap for our loved ones. These are the ministries in Indonesia. This is... Uh, there are so many testimonies. This is a refresher course for all our pastors in Indonesia. This is a recent conference we had about three months ago. Many pastors' kids, they do not want to serve God. 
because they find their fathers struggling in a small church. And so we organized one and we had uh, uh, foot washing ceremony and there was reconciliation. There were tears. It was such an emotional uh, time that they had there. And now they say next year, organize the same conference in a larger scale. And these are the colleges that ICM is in. This is in Sabah. You know, Sabah and Sarawak were the only two Christian states in Malaysia. Today, the only Christian state is Sarawak. And the Sarawak, I always say, is a battleground now. There are others who are going in, giving aid, and a lot of empty promises, and many of them convert to a different religion. Why? Because when there is no shepherd, the sheep disperse. The SIB has got 700 over churches, 500 over pastors. And some of them, one of our worker pastors, seven churches. The one, she's, no, she pastors seven churches. And she cannot go every Sunday to every church. And you find others come and they disperse. They came to one of the longhouses. This was reported by one of our workers, $350 a door, and everybody convert. And after they get their IC, policy change, no money. You know, and all are converted. So these are, this is Pastor Justina, who's got seven churches under her. These are some of the graduations and students that we have in Sabah, for the SIB, the first year Bible school is the ICM program. And after the first year, they have a choice. They go with ICM uh, and we support them as foot evangelists or they go to the run-out Bible school. And these are some of the ministries and the students. This is the boat that we do, the river ministry and the motorbikes that we give to the pastors. This is Sarawak. Most of these students here that you see are Penans from Ulubaram, and it's not an easy tribe to reach. Uh, this guy, Sunto, halfway through our training, he wanted to leave, and he left in the day. And at about midnight, the hospital called and says, this person has died. He met in an accident. And about two-something, Pastor Peter Raja, sorry, Pastor Peter Raja, he's the head of, of that school. And he went to visit him and they showed him the x-ray. Neck broke, back broke, and he said he's dead and they're waiting the next day for the doctor to come and sign the certificate. So Pastor Peter, he's 74 years old, his voice is very loud, and he has raised three people from the dead, um, one whom I know. And he just went to that dead body there, covered with blood, and he began to speak in tongues and bind the angel of death. And this doctor, who was a Malay, heard this loud sound outside there, and he ran out there, gilaka, gilaka, you know, wanted to chase the pastor. And all of a sudden, Sunto's hand went up and told Andrew, his friend who followed the pastor, keep my sword. To cut a long story short, the he says, the big man beside you gave me, but there was no big man. You know, he says, the sword was the Bible that the angel gave him and asked him to go back to Bible school. And today he has graduated and serving God. These, these teenagers from Ulubaram too, the parents couldn't control them. So when you cannot control someone, what you do? Pass the responsibility to others. Send them to ICM. <laughs> and after three months, they went back for practical. After the first module, they went back for practical. And the parents couldn't believe what they saw. Their children were transformed by the Word of God. And here, you see all of them queuing up along the river, more than 100 to be water baptized because they saw transformation, what God has done in and through their children. And friends, that is what the Word of God can do through each and every one of us. In John 6.63, it says the Word of God is spirit and it's alive. And until and unless we put the Word of God to practice, we are not going to see the power of God in and through the Word of God. I will just move uh, 
a little faster. These are all those ministries that um, we do in Sarawak. This is a student. Uh, this is along the Rejang River in Kenowit. More than 100 longhouses. Many of them, they do not have pastors. So now we are working with the Baptists and the SIB to come together and we are having trainings. And next year, we are going to start the ministry along the Rejang River. This is Barrio. There are 14 churches in Barrio, and all of them are going through the discipleship program. And one of the leaders told me, in, 99, in 1973, we had a Barrio revival. But if we had, along with that, if we had discipleship program, we would not have lost our children. This is the launch. Um, these are to the colleges in Sarawak. This is national service. Uh, these are the ministries. This is the hospital ministry. This, this is the local. This is where Glad Tidings have been working with Pastor Tanchu Singh. These orang asli's in the colored kebaya in 1997, they graduated from the ICM program. Now they are using it to disciple their own people. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, and the things that you've heard me say, and trust a reliable man who will also be able to train others. These are orang asli's that we brought. This is in Tamango. We just started a school in that island in Greek where glad tidings, church, you are involved. Many of your, the food bank that you, do, that you give to your food bank, a lot of this food has gone to this village. We, for months, for years, actually, we've been going to those villages. And we've been doing children's ministry and we've been bringing aid. And uh, for the last couple of months, we've been praying for a full-time worker. We just cannot keep giving aid. It's about four or five hours drive and another one and a half hour by our small ICM boat. And praise God, the Lord brought someone from Sarawak. And today, he is there. Today, today, we have a team there. And Anthony from Glad Tidings is there. We are building a chicken coop down there. This is the team from Glad Tidings loading the boats. This, yeah, this is a team from Glad Tidings. I think Pastor Michael praying for the sick man in the village. This is the school, the one in green at the background. Yeah, this is the village, Kalyan, that we, three villages that we are involved in. They do not have toilets, they do not have electricity or water. But praise God, we, man there's, we managed to get water from the mountain, and uh, now we are slowly trying to develop that place. This is past, this is Lying. Uh, He's a trainer with Shell and a former Air Force medic. And he's there full time. This is the ICM boat. This is the smallest Orang Asli tribe in Malaysia, Lano tribe. If you go to Google and do a search, never heard the name of Jesus. A couple of years ago, they knew we were in the island and they waited at a base and they took us to their village. And 16 men accepted the Lord. Today, the village is a Christian village, and we have got a fish program there. Uh, here we are having medical missions. This is the fish farming project that we have with the village. You can see the fishes have grown. This is a deaf and dumb from the Canning Baptist Church that followed us for missions. See, the deaf and dumb can go, so can you. These are some of the ministries that we do. This is a team from Sarawak, uh, uh, Australia. This one is a medical missions in Cameron Highlands. This, uh, these are my two boys, and this is my mother-in-law. And if your mother-in-law can follow you for missions, you're okay. <laughs> this is a team from Russia. This is, a, a, I mean, medical students uh, who are studying in Russia. Praise God. Ordinary people doing extraordinary work. Friend, beyond our world, there's another world out there. 
a world of people who are lost and who are hurting. And they are seeking and seeking and seeking for an answer. And we who are in Christ have the answer to their longing soul. The question is, what are you doing about it? In Exodus, I'm, I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'll just tell you the story. You could go back and read the scriptures. In Exodus, we read about Israel being in bondage in Egypt. And they were very harshly treated. And they cried out to God, and God heard their cries. But God did not come down to rescue them. God called one man. In Exodus chapter 3, we could read the story. God called Moses to the burning bush. And God told Moses, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cries, and I am concerned. And in verse 8, God says, I have come to rescue my people. And in verse 12, he says, Moses, I am sending you. In verse 10. And in verse 12, he says, Moses, I will be with you. And when I read the scriptures, I said, Lord, you have come to rescue your people. You could just call 10,000 angels to destroy Egypt and set your people free. Why call Moses? Why send Moses? It's because, friends, he doesn't use angels or machines. He uses ordinary people like you and like me. And when God called Moses, Moses, was a, Moses lived 120 years. And his life can be divided into three parts. The first 40 years, the prince of Egypt. He was a great architect. He was rich. He, he had power. He had authority. He had the best education. He was talented. He had everything. And Moses knew he was a Hebrew. And he wanted to help his people. And he saw an Egyptian guard ill-treating a Hebrew. He killed him and buried him in the sand. And the next day he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he went to them and he says, why are you fighting your brothers? And one of them said, do you also want to kill me? Like how you killed the Egyptian guard. And that news went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses, and Moses ran into the wilderness. From a prince to a shepherd in the wilderness. Someone who thought that he could do it his way, and now he finds himself as a shepherd in the wilderness. Friends, God's ways are not our ways. Just as the heavens are higher, so are his ways higher than our ways. It is not by might, not by power, not with intellectual capabilities, money or talents. It is by his spirit. And now Moses, the next 40 years of Moses' life, he must be disappointed and depressed in the wilderness alone. But in that moment, God molded him. The next 40 years, God molded him. You know, in the first 40 years, I can, I will, you know, I'm able to. It was all about I. And God had to get rid of the eyism, the arrogance, and the pride. And after 40 years in the wilderness, God called Moses. And God said, Moses, I have come to rescue my people, Moses, I, not you. You are not able to do anything. But you are my vessel, Moses. I will perform miracle signs and wonders through you. And all you have to do is obey. It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. And he sent Moses to Egypt. And with great miracle signs and wonders, Moses brought Israel out of Egypt. And then begins the next 40 years of Moses' life. The first 40 years, Moses had full of confidence in himself. The second 40 years, Moses had no confidence in himself. The third 40 years, Moses had full of confidence in his God. And he became the deliverer of the nation of Israel. And friends, today, 
God is still seeing the misery of His people. He's still hearing their cries and His concern. And God has come to rescue His people today. And how is He going to rescue His people today? John chapter 3, verse 17. I have not sent my Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. I have not sent my Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. So how is God going to save the world? He's going to save the world through His Son, Jesus. And where is Jesus today? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, He says, as sons, God has put the spirit of His Son into our hearts. God has put the spirit of His Son into our hearts. And in John 14, 20, Jesus said, I am in you, you are in me, and I'm in the Father. So where is Jesus today? Jesus is in you. For what? To continue the work of the Father, to set the captives free, to mend the broken hearts, and to heal the sick in Jesus' name. You know, in John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus was praying for his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and was arrested and beaten and hung on the cross. And he prayed in verse 4. He says, Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you have given me to do. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you have given me to do. That means Jesus was born for a purpose. He had work to do. And he has finished the work that he has come to do. And brought glory to the Father. What was his work? In verse 6, he says, I have made you known to those whom you have given me out of this world. And his work was to make known the Father's redemption plan to this lost world. And he says, I have made you known to those whom you have given me out of this world. And in, in verse 18, he says, Just as you have sent me into the world, I now send them into this world. Just as you have sent me, I send them into this world. Friends, know that you are born for a purpose. You are not just born to eat, sleep, work and die. You are born for a purpose. There is no one else in this whole wide world with your DNA. Of 7 billion people, nobody has got your DNA. You're fearfully and wonderfully born for a purpose. We are the children of the Most High God. We are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ Jesus. For greater is He who is in you than he that is in the world. In Romans 8, it says, The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you are not an ordinary person. You're born for a purpose. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, In Him you were chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and will. Just as Jesus came and his life was predestined, he had work to do. And he finished his work and brought glory to the Lord. Friends, we have work to do. He says we are chosen and our life is predestined planned according to his purpose and will. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. We are called for a purpose. In Ephesians 2, 10, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So know that you got a great, big, wonderful God who lives in you. In whatever circumstances and situation you're in, you can call unto Him and He will always be there for you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Don't let... No, the devil's strategy is to make you focus on your weakness. You know, I cannot. Can you go and pray for this person? I cannot call the pastor. 
You know, share your testimony, I cannot. Friends, this is what the devil wants you to do. I cannot. It is true, I cannot. But it's not about you, it's about Christ in you. All you have to do is to open your mouth and speak. Lay hands on the sick. You know, I had one team member. She was a nurse in Saudi Arabia. She came back and first time joining us for, for missions. And she was in Indonesia. And while sitting down, the Holy Spirit says, no, uh, uh, a mother brought a little boy about 10 years old. And he was deaf and dumb and he, he couldn't speak or hear. And asked her to pray. And she said, no, no, no. After the service, you take your kid out to altar call. Well, while she was sitting, the Holy Spirit was working in her and said, I want you to pray. And she was struggling. And after some time, she said, all right, Lord, if you want me to pray for the little boy, let the mother come back to me. And true enough, after the service, instead of going to the altar call, the mother brought the little boy to her. And she just laid her hands on her ears and she began to pray. And the boy was totally healed. Friends, ordinary people doing extraordinary work. And all you have to do is know it's not about you. It's about Christ in you that brings hope to the people. You know, when God called Moses, Moses said, Lord, I cannot. I cannot speak, Lord. I stammer. Call my brother, Lord Aaron. He communicates better. You know, when God calls you and you say, I cannot, then you are the person that God wants to use. You know, Moses, the first 40 years, I can, I will, I must, you know. And God couldn't use Moses. But the second 40 years, when God called Moses, Moses said, Lord, I cannot. And God used Moses. And in his most difficult times, in his most depressed situation in the wilderness, that was when God appeared to Moses. And friends, God will appear to you in whatever situation and circumstances you are in. And he will use you for his glory. When God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, I'm only a kid. I cannot. God says, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. When you were born, I set you apart. I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And he told Jeremiah, I will be with you and I will rescue you. Just as he told Moses, I will be with you. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he says, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went around doing good. And God was with him. Even Jesus needed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power because he was born from a virgin as an ordinary person like you and me. And he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good, healing the sick. And God was with him. And today, the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus is here. And he anoints each one of us to fulfill his plan. And you know what? God will be with you. When he gave us the last command in Matthew 28, go forth and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you to the end of age. And what he says, go. Go and make disciples of nations, and I will be with you. When he gave us the great commission in Mark chapter 16, go and preach the word. Go. Go and preach the word. Those who obey and be baptized will be saved. And those who do not obey will be condemned. And the last verse in the book of Mark. And the Lord worked with them and fulfilled his word. He will be with you, friends. He will not leave you alone. He is in you. The power that is above all powers in this world, the Holy Spirit is in you. And He's just waiting to use you as His vessel to fulfill God's purpose and plan in your life. When God called Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah chapter 5, 
Isaiah is woe to you, woe to you. You know, he was always condemning. Now, Isaiah was a scribe. He was a prophet. He was with the king's palace. Very comfortable life. And he just sat there. Woe, woe to those who drink and get drunk. Woe to those who accumulate wealth. Woe to those who take bribe. And he was just talking about everybody. Until in verse 6. And an angel of the Lord came and brought Isaiah into the presence of God. And when Isaiah was in the presence of God, he says, Woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And an angel of the Lord took a hot coal and touched his lips and said, It is atoned for. And God says, Who can I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah immediately availed himself. Here am I, Lord, send me. When did this all happen? When Isaiah began to look at himself and he said, Woe to me, Lord, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And only after he confessed did an angel take a hot coal and touch his lips and say it is atoned for. When was the last time you had an encounter with God? You may have had a beautiful, loving, and a living relationship with Him. But after a period of time, it has become a religion called Christianity. Friends, Christianity cannot save you. Christianity didn't die on the cross for you. Don't think you come to church Sunday after Sunday, you got a ticket to heaven. I got good news, my friends. The church is not a ticket to heaven. The church did not die on the cross for you. It was Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for you and salvation only comes through a relationship with Jesus. I'm not telling you not to come to church. It is important you come to church. The church is the body of Christ and Christ is the head of the church and Christ is coming back for His church. You come to church to build your relationship as you hear as you worship Him and be in the very presence of God and hear the Word of God from His servants and build your relationship with Him. You know, missions is all about love. Nobody is forced to get out there to be a witness. It is because the love of Christ compels us to do what we do. We can't do anything out of good works, my friend. It's all about the love of Christ. It's all about sacrifice. I can tell you, I've been in this ministry for 24 years. Next year is our 25th year. And the sacrifices that we have to make, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm in the village and I see the fruits of the ministry, I just tell myself, you know, it is worth it all. All the sacrifices, getting up three-something, traveling and I just don't want to go into it. But when you look back, it says, Lord, it is worth it all. When you see that ordinary people being blessed and receiving Jesus. And Isaiah had an encounter with God that transformed his life. Friends, when was the last time you had an encounter with God? You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was just a young village girl, insignificant in the village, engaged to be married to a carpenter named Joseph. And one day, an angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, Mary, you have found favor with God. And you're going to have a child. Name him Jesus, and he's going to be the savior of the world. And Mary said, how can it be? I'm a virgin. It is impossible. It is true. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He will take the difficult situation that you are in and turn it into a wonderful testimony for His glory. And Mary says, it is impossible. I'm a virgin. But I like what Mary replied. This is one of my favorite words in the Bible. And Mary said, be unto me, according to thy word. It is impossible. I do not know how it can happen. But be it unto me according to thy word. Friends, the Bible is the will of God for your life. 
Everything you need for life and godliness is in the Word of God. All you have to do is to read the Bible, claim the promises of God, and obey. I just close this is last point. What is ministry? We are called into ministry. What is ministry? Ministry is divine resources meeting the human needs through loving channel to the glory of God. Divine resources meeting the human need through loving channel to the glory of God. And in Acts chapter 3, we read Peter and John going into the temple to pray at about 3 o'clock. And there at the, at the gate is a beggar who was born lame for more than 30 years. He never walked and his family members put him there. And when Peter and John were going, the man reached out and he asked for money. And Peter looked at him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. And John may have thought, hey, Peter, what do you have that I do not know? Divine resources to meet the human need. And Peter looked at the beggar and I says, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the beggar got up leaping and jumping and praising God. And because of that one miracle, 5,000 people were added to the church in chapter 4. What happened here? Divine resources met the human need through loving channel to the glory of God. And friends, we are in the last moments of the last days. And God is looking for loving channels to bring divine resources to meet the human need. Will you be that loving channel? In the last chapter of Revelation, God said, according to what you have done, you will be reported. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And according to what you have done, you will be rewarded. Shall we pray?